And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, welcome to the first playoff edition of Civilized Barking. The 11-5 Browns are in the playoffs and all the vibes are great. Oh no, I'm lying. They're not. Uh, the head coach is out. The Pro Bowl guard is out. Um, this is Thursday afternoon as we record here. Ronnie Harrison, the Browns' best safety, has been placed on the COVID list. He will not play. Uh, I've kind of lost track because of adding the assistant coaches and some of the practice squad players. A new one today, one off yesterday. I believe it's seven players, seven active roster players currently on the COVID list. All of them are regulars. Uh Hoping like crazy that Denzel Ward can come back. If he does, there'll be no practice. And oh, by the way, um, normally at this exact moment of the week, the Browns are wrapping up their second practice. Um, they have not practiced. The team is in the facility. They had a virtual walkthrough. They've had meetings in which Kevin Stefanski still runs them and still coordinates things, but he won't be there on Sunday night. So uh, as we did last week in anticipation of this, even though the vibe has changed, we bring in my colleague, my sometimes friend, Mark Caboli, who covers <laughs> – the Steelers, uh, last week it was Mark making the trip on the Turnpike West. This week it'll be me making the trip on the per- Turnpike East. And Mark, in light of today's events, there's only one thing that anyone listening in Pittsburgh or Cleveland or somewhere in between wants to talk about. Which baseball team is going to have the lower payroll this year, the Pirates or the Indians? Well, I don't ever under- underestimate the Pirates. I mean, you shouldn't complain in Cleveland. This has like only been one year like this, right? No, so try I mean, like well, try eighteen like of the last yes. twenty here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there there might not be a professional ball player left on the Pittsburgh Pirates roster right now. Yeah, I mean, there's nobody left. You got maybe Polanco, and he stinks. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just, well, I mean, if they if they win thirty <laughs> games this year, it's going to be a shock. Well, Mark, there were many years that the Browns played the Steelers mm-hmm. without many professional football players. Um, <laughs> This is not one of those years, and the Browns won last week's game. Let's start there. I, I hate to go back, but I do think there's some context here, or, or potentially there is. You know, the Steelers didn't play their guys, and we know that. And the Browns didn't play great, and it got a little too hairy at the end. But what on the Pittsburgh side did the Steelers take out of last week? Oh, I, I think I think they played more people than you think. I mean – their, their entire offensive line was played the entire game other than Pouncey. I mean, you had pro bowler DeCastro in there. You had pro bowler Minka Fitzpatrick and, you know, good portion of the defense out there. It's not like they were, you know, totally threw in the towel after they, uh, you know, inactivated those four or five guys that they were going to uh, deactivate. But I think what it helps with the Steelers were is gave them, even though it wasn't their full squad, they played them close. They played them tight. And now they're saying, okay, now we get our stars back. So I think it gave them a lot of confidence, a lot of confidence to go 
and uh, you know be able to play better this year. And, and I think it in in part, I think the Steelers were you know quite vanilla with what they were able to do offensively and defensively. And I don't know how much the Browns were. I'm sure they were a little bit with their running game. So I think they got a pretty good feel of what the Browns like to do. Now, that's the Kevin Stefanski called Browns, at least on offense. Not quite sure what the Alex Van Pelt called Browns are, but I would imagine it's similar. But I would just say that confidence, knowing that they had four straight games, of four and a half straight games of really bad play, that they were even able to play good to their standards over you know, the past six quarters, including the Browns. So I think that's what they took away from it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think the Steelers got to see some guys they might need, right? Um, and, and think the Browns needed some some work with their passing game. And, you know, at this time of year, you're not practicing two hours and full pads and grinding anyway, but this is football, right? Like, you need practice. You need timing on things. You need to work on things. Um, I'm a little torn on this, Mark, because – you know, everybody in the NFL runs kind of the same stuff. There aren't many secrets. But what do you make of doing it back-to-back weeks, you know, doing it third time in a season? Um, you know, Alex Van Pelt is new. It's the same offense. The Steelers know Alex Van Pelt. He coached in Cincinnati for years. He is from Pittsburgh, right? Um, any advantage gained by either side in your mind on just the familiarity of things and running it back in, in a one week's time? You know, I, the thing about that is, Zach, like you said, they all know what they were going to do. Steelers knew darn well that they were going to run the ball with Chubb and Hunt last week. Does it matter? No. I mean, <laughs> they would they gain over 190 yards on the ground. So I don't think that makes it. It's just going to come down to the same thing it always comes down to is there's going to be four or five plays one way or the other they are going to determine the outcome of, of the game. And that's goes you know no matter who you're playing or when you're playing them if you played them last week or a month from now so I don't think that's going to be a big big deal that they played them last week I'm sure there's refreshing of tendencies you know say a guy like where it probably benefited the Steelers the most is their one COVID related guy is Joe Hayden he won't play he didn't play last week so Cam Sutton at least got some a full action of a game at cornerback against the guys that he's probably going against again this week. So that's only benefit I can see right there. But the Browns know what the Steelers are going to do. Steelers know what the Browns are going to do. It's just who's going to have the the most talent. And when I say that, I obviously talk about offensive line wise. When you lose Batonio, I mean you're taking Batonio out. You're putting Cam Hayward in. That's a huge, huge swing to the Steelers' side right there. So I think it has a little bit to do with it as well as who's available more than knowing tendencies. Yeah, I mean, Mark, as I look at last week, to me the most alarming thing was not the Browns falling apart there at the end and making it more you know, more complicated than it needed to be. It was that they still sacked Baker Mayfield four times, right? With, with it was some bums. <laughs> <laughs> with yeah. like Alex Highsmith and well he'll play, but we're talking about J. Rowan Elliott and Chris Wormley is just absolutely awful. So <laughs> I don't know how he got a sack there. <laughs> right. So it, it's, it was well, concerning. I mean, the the all as good as the running backs are, um the the all Browns offensive line collectively has has been just as good. And obviously those two things go hand in hand. 
And now you take Batonio out, and for obvious reasons, the Browns aren't saying how they'll replace him. But their options are Kendall Lamb, who's been a tackle, mostly a backup tackle. He's played one snap of guard in his life. Michael Dunn, who was on the practice squad for half the year or over half the year, has played one offensive snap all year. And then you got a collection of guys that you just signed either off other teams' practice squad or the way or, or just the street in the last week, and you have to plug them in. And you know, even if one of those guys is the right fit, he's not Joel Batonio, who not only is a good player and a smart player and an athletic player, but he knows Cam Hayward, right? He yeah. knows Stefan Tuit. He's been going against these guys. So the Browns still have the brains of their operation in Treader. They still have the athletic tackles who mean so much. But I just think, honestly, as much as losing your head coach, I think no bullshit. I think the loss of Joel Batonio is truly just as significant for the Browns. Yeah, I think it might be more significant. I mean, of course, I'm looking from the outside in, but um, I think that's more significant than losing your head coach, even if he is the play caller. Like I said, Alex Van Pelt's pretty – I mean, he's pretty known around here for his days at University of Pittsburgh and what he was able to do in Green Bay. I'm pretty sure he can get the job done of, you know, calling the plays here. But like you mentioned, are you going to be able to get the job done with a, you know, three-time pro bowler, couple-time all-pro, playing at his best level, Cam Hayward, with a guy that has like one snap? I mean, that's huge advantage. You know how my philosophy is always when I watch football games is, Whichever defensive line plays better will probably win the game. And uh, I'm sure that has something to do with the other guy's offensive line. But I think this team has got a huge advantage, defensive line versus the Browns' offensive line. Even, you know, even a guy like Alex Highsmith last week was pretty significant. Was He did pretty well against your rookie tackle, Willis, um, which was kind of surprising as well. So he has to come into this game. It's confident now, and all of a sudden you got Watt on the other side now. So, like I said, this is a, a matchup that I think is very different than last week, and I think it very much favors the Steelers. Now, can Chubb or Hunt make up for that loss? They could, but it's going to be tough. Well, as much as I hate agreeing with you, Mark, um, the <laughs> defensive line is so important. I think yeah. for 16 games, you look at when the Browns' defensive line has played well. The Browns have played well. And, you know, they lost Olivier Vernon last week for the season. Yeah. So I will say this um, a healthy, motivated Miles Garrett could absolutely dominate Alejandro Villanueva and could make him a <laughs> for this team. Well, you mean sort of like last week if they were, if he would have stayed in the game? Yeah. <laughs> if Miles Garrett goes and plays, you know, 90% of the snaps, maybe it is a little bit more one-sided. Villanueva is an issue, but they're not going to do anything about it. There will be a change on the offensive line this week, and they'll take out rookie Kevin Dotson and uh, put in Matt Filer, who was just came off the uh, injury reserve list. He hurt his peck maybe a month, month and a half ago. So, But that's the only change you're going to make. There was thought that Filer could go to tackle, right tackle or left tackle, but that's not going to be the case just going to have to help him out you saw what happened last week zach i mean spance mcdonald might not have chipped very much on miles garrett but i guarantee he was on that side of the line about 95 percent of his time just giving villanueva that extra half second where uh garrett had to rush the passer just a tad bit wider and it takes a tad bit less to get there so i'm sure that's going to continue this week 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, the other thing I look at in that matchup, um, you know, Denzel Ward's a maybe. He will be eligible to come back, but that's assuming he's healthy, he passes his tests, he's up to speed, all of that stuff. Um, And he's great. I mean, he's as good as anybody and, and has been all year long. But... Going down the list, I, I think the light came on for Chase Claypool last week. I think the Steelers got him back involved, and I just know the Browns have nobody that can cover him. So I see that as a big, big trouble spot for the Browns. The, the, the issue was is that even though he put up that five for 100 and you know that combat touchdown catch that was big, Deontay Johnson had the three probably very critical plays in that game, two 40-plus yarders to set up scores. He had that fourth and 10 catch, I believe it was fourth and 10, in the fourth quarter, kept that drive going. So he's been playing well, too. And, you know, Smith-Schuster did not practice on Thursday, but he'll be okay. So the thing with that, that those receivers are, even though Chase Claypool looked good last week, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to try to feature him this week. It could be one of the other two, depending as, you know, if Denzel Ward's there and who they're like their matchup. That's been like that all season. And when they have a quarterback, Roethlisberger now, he does not hesitate to throw to the open person like the previous 10 years where you better throw the ball to Antonio Brown 14 times a game or there's going to be an issue. It's not like that now. So even though Claypool had a good game, was difficult to cover, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those other two are the ones that have the big game this week if there is one. Yeah, um, we know the Steelers don't run it well, Mark, and, and they don't run it often. Uh, what what do you think the plan of attack will be in terms of mixing in the run to at least keep the Browns honest and, and try to set up some of that deeper stuff? That's probably, I wouldn't imagine much different than it was all all season. I mean, they'll start out by throwing to try to set up the run late in the game. If there's one benefit to the Steelers is James Conner has had some decent game over his career against the Browns. Earlier in the season, he had a 100-yard game. 
a couple years ago. He had that, I believe, three-touchdown game. I don't know if that's just coincidence they came against the Browns or is there something he likes running or, you know, he lived in, grew up in Erie, maybe. I don't know what it is. But I'm not expecting them to come out and, you know, two tight ends, extra tackle, and let's just run it down your throat. That's just not what they're going to do. We're going to have to mix it in some, but as we've seen and we've talked about it every single week here in Pittsburgh, it's about this run game. You need it, you need it, you need it. What they do need is it in key situations, they need it in red zone, they need it in short yardage, terrible short yardage team. If they can run there, I think that's their main focus, but they don't care if they don't run the ball. You know, if they end up 15 for 40, oh well. But if they go 15 for 40 and they have three big third down conversions of third and one, I think they take that. Yeah. Not to take anything away from James Conner. Um, and I know that he had that first game, but that was just a product of the circumstances. I mean, the Steelers were throwing, and you add that to the early pick six, and it just got to the point where they were running because there was nothing else to do. They were up 24 7 that entire game. That, that first six games, seven games, of the season, the Steelers actually didn't run the ball very poorly at all. I think they had 500 yard rushers the first five games or first six games. So it's just been since then, since the middle of October, since Halloween, where it's really fallen off, fallen off, and it's just been absolutely horrible. So, uh, right. trust me, Connor's not the best in the world. Benny Snell's not the best in the world. Anthony McFarland's the same way. It's not like they got aging linemen. They got three guys over 30. They got average running backs. And they have a offensive coordinator that much rather throw than – and the quarterback throw than hand the ball off. Add that all together and you have a, you know, one of the worst running teams in the league. Boy, was I wrong. Benny Snell stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you said that about Mason Rudolph. Mason too. Rudolph does stink. I don't care that he finally hit a couple of those. He stinks. Well, he played a heck of a lot better than the last time. I give he the did. guy some credit. I mean, I had to be a tough situation to sit in there. I mean, go up there and try to – because that's the only chance he's going to get those. I mean, to be honest with you, if he flopped there, then he's on the bench and he's out the – you know, he's maybe out of the league or he, he's in Jacksonville in a year or so or wherever he's at, so – I give him some credit. At least he didn't do what he did in Cleveland and Cincinnati last yeah. week. But um, talking to you, I, I thought it was, you know, I was going to see like a, a high school quarterback that couldn't throw the ball more than three yards, according to you. Well, no, I know he can throw the ball down the field. He just can't do anything else. I mean, he looks like me dropping back. He really does. <laughs> All right, enough. I don't know. He, <laughs> come on, man. He, if you Google him and some of his uh, – some of his female friends, and uh, oh. you know, he's doing pretty good for himself. So I'm guessing I've, he, he doesn't look like you a little bit. Bowl. I, I followed his career. I, I, I'm sure he does okay. It's like going out with the Bachelorette or something, and it's like weird. I mean, hey, I don't look at him. What I'm getting at, Zach, is you know, no offense, but I think he might be better looking than you. <laughs> well, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. That's a low bar, too. Um, it j- just as anybody from Cleveland talking about bad quarterbacks is, there's there's no doubt. Um, one question along those lines. I don't, you know, I know Vince Williams is dealing with an injury, some old age stuff. Hayden is not going to be on the active roster. 
Is there any chance Josh Dobbs gets a helmet for Sunday? Just I, don't, as a I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, it's, it sounds like you're listening to the Pittsburgh radio station every day. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's all they seem to want. They think that they want to, they want to dress two kickers and three quarterbacks. And, and if you know anything about the Steelers, they do neither one of those things. I just don't see the, the them giving up a roster spot for a third quarterback that might might be able to use one or two plays. This, I just I'd find it shocking if that happens this week. Even though it might make some sense. I mean, like I said, there's really a bad team at third and short short yardage red zone situations. So maybe that would help out. But you're now you're taking the ball out of your Hall of Fame quarterback's hands and giving it to Josh Dobbs in a playoff situation. Do you really want to do that? I don't know, and I don't yeah, think I'll do it. makes perfect sense. Um, <laughs> along those lines, everybody knows longest playoff drought in the league, 18 years for the Browns. They do have some guys who have, who have been on the stage. Jarvis Landry comes to mind. His only playoff game was in Pittsburgh. Uh, actually, Adrian Claiborne, who's played in the Super Bowl, B.J. Goodson, uh, Malcolm Smith, if he gets back. But anyway, you know what – what stock, if any, do you put into – it's been a while since the Steelers have made a sustained run in January, and last year they weren't in because they didn't have their quarterback there playing duck. So what stock, if any, do you put in, in playoff experience being an edge uh, for the Steelers this week? I don't think it is because I don't think there's a ton of experience there. you got the quarterback, of course. Other than that, all three of their running backs have no experience. Their five receivers combined for one game of experience – and that's Juju Smith-Schuster, who had three catches in that Jacksonville divisional round game lost three years ago. Offensive line has some experience. But, you know, the secondary, if Joe Hayden, of course, he's not in there, but he's only played one game. Cam Sutton, none. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick, no playoff experience. Steven Nelson, I think, might have won in Kansas City. Um, the linebackers, Spillane, nothing. Highsmith, nothing. Watt might have had one or two games. So it's not like they're just slamming you with experience here. The Steelers, they got them in key spots. Some offensive line quarterback is the big one. But it's not like you're going up. And I think that's a big key to this game for the Steelers. Is if they're going to win this game, they have to win it with the receivers. Because we've seen in the past when their receivers stink, when they can't get open, when they drop the ball, they can't get off press coverage, it's it's a disaster for the offense. Now you're putting four or five guys in there that has never been in this situation before. Deontay Johnson's biggest game before this was the, the Dollar General Bowl. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's so so it, it's not like he's been known to – struggle at times in big situations. So if those guys can plow through that and play and not like it's a, a playoff atmosphere, which no fans might help that out for them, I think that's a big key for that group. So the overall experience, I think you just have to narrow it down to the three or four receivers are going to get most of the time. If those guys can you know, not let that bother them, I think that's where the Steelers will have the advantage. But it very well could bother. We'll just have to see. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. 
hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Um, I know you tweeted yesterday that Cam Hayward on the Zoom said we're expecting a heavy dose of Nick Chubb. Um, that's a no-duh. That's what Browns fans are hoping for. Anything else interesting? I mean, I know what they say doesn't matter, but anything else interesting from Steelers camp about what they're expecting from the Browns or what the Browns are going through this week? I know that they're, they're a little worried about – not worried, but they have to be aware of when some of these designed runs by Baker Mayfield or at least getting out of the pocket and having that run pass option off of that. They have to stay – that might dictate what type of defense they play. That 30-yard run he had the other day was based solely on playing man defense and everybody, you know, nobody was accounting for it. For him, they're, you know, they're a little worried about that. But number one is absolutely stopping Chubb and Hunt. And for the most part, they've been good at that, where you have to be a little bit concerned, I would say, would be the rookie up setting the edge in Alex Highsmith. He just hasn't been exposed to that very much. And the Steelers always or, or historically struggled with that one cut outside zone downhill running type of game because everybody got to stay in their gap. I mean, there's no freelancing here, and that goes with T.J. Watt as well. So they have to be very, very cognizant of that fact. It will help that Robert Spillane expects to be back. He practiced the last couple games. He's the guy that replaced Devin Bush, who then got replaced by God knows who was out there last week for them, an inside linebacker. But he's a pretty good run stuffer. So they'll have – Williams, he'll be he'll play. He just had a quad or or cap a quad muscle injury, and uh, Spillane and Avery Williams are three good run stoppers. So th- getting those guys healthy and will be the perfect situation for them against a team like the Steelers. But they truly believe that they stop Hunt that that Mayfield's not going to beat them. Well, the true fans. <laughs> And we, you and I have many. They come here for our hard-hitting analysis. But make it jump off the page, Mark. we got to give predictions. So you go first. I have to go first. I should pick the Browns. I, I want to see the Browns. If the Browns win this game, I want to see the Browns and Bucks in the Super Bowl. You know, the two of the longest, you know, was that 30 years between them not making the playoffs or in the Super Bowl. But yep. I, it's just, I mean, everybody you talk to says it's a huge deal for Stefanski not being there. I mean, player-wise, other coaches-wise. So I think that just puts the Steelers over the edge right there. I think it still will be a closer game. Maybe they'll get it to 10 points by the end of the game. But I can see 30, 30 to 20 maybe Steelers win this game, and it would be much closer and have a much better chance to beat them if Stefanski was there. I know that. Yeah, I just don't see – unless Miles Garrett just completely dominates, and I'm not ruling that out. But I, short of that, I don't see how the Steelers are held under 28 or even more by this defense. The Browns – Well, you must not have watched them the past month before this then. Well, Because <laughs> they but, never got above about 17. Sure. So. <laughs> but they also just didn't have it as easy as they'll have it against this defense, which yeah. even at full strength doesn't guard the quick pitch and catch real well. Um 
that little pass over the middle that Juju caught six times last week. He might catch it 60 <laughs> times this Sunday, opening it up for Claypool. Johnson makes a couple plays. I just think the Steelers have too much firepower and the Browns don't have their guns, I think. Yeah, I think Batonio. Yeah, the loss the of Batonio will put the Browns in the position that they don't want to be in, and that's Baker having to make plays from the pocket. That's the Steelers' rush closing in on Baker. So the Browns 10-0 when they at least push the turnover battle. The Browns 10-0 when they're leading at halftime. But I just think the Steelers have more guns in this fight for several reasons. Um, and I, I think the Browns won't get to their bread-and-butter game. I do think they'll run it you know, consistently. I think they'll run it well in stretches. But uh, I just think the Steelers will, will score enough to put them in a point to where they put them in trouble. And I think, you know, uh, a really good year will end for the Browns under – Disappointing circumstances, but um, we'll see. I think, what, you know, NBC what, what chose you got? this. What do you got? What do you got? What's the score? I want to hear the numbers. Oh, thir- 34 to 17. Hmm. Oh, you know what I like to see in this game, Zach? I like to see them just give it to Baker. So we know that they're going to try to stop the run. You come out. We're going to throw you, let you throw the ball all over the field this first half. Let's see what you can do. Now, that could work, but it also could get the fan base ready to kill you if it doesn't work. So I think that would be their best option because the Steelers are going to be hell bent and stopping this run. And they might leave some options for him to throw the ball early in this game. Well, we'll see. Uh, the, the guy who's emerged as the big play receiver, Donovan Peoples-Jones, had a concussion last week. And, um, you know, we can't say he's in or out of practice because nobody's in practice. It's Thursday afternoon. The Browns have not gathered. Uh the circumstances suck, quite frankly. Guys, the game is not going to be moved. It was never going to be moved. It's the playoffs. Even if you move it back to Tuesday, you're still not going to have Batonio or your head coach or Ronnie Harrison. It sucks, but just stop with all that. We'll see. Um, to me, it almost becomes a nothing-to-lose game for, for Baker and for the Browns. Um, you know, I don't sense – I guess last thing, Mark, I don't sense any overconfidence on the Pittsburgh side. How about you? No, uh, I mean, they've been where they shouldn't be after they lost to the Washington football team and the Bengals within a span of three weeks. And they should have lost to the Ravens that had 15 non-starters. I don't see any overconfidence, but, you know, it's happened numerous times where the Steelers do lose to teams they should win. Look at the last time they were in the playoffs. They played a Jacksonville Jaguar team that, you know, Barely beat Buffalo 10 to 7, and it was like 45 to 42, and the Steelers had to come back to even make it that close. So there's history there. But one quick note while the Browns are losing people, the Steelers are gaining people. Eric Ebron came off of COVID list. He'll play this week as their tight end. And a big one is Chris Boswell. He had a groin injury. He'll play so they could kick a field goal more than 30 yards this year, this week, other because. Their backup, Matthew Wright, doesn't have quite a strong lane. So that's two more positives on the Steelers' view on the bench, on that side of the ball. Yeah, um, the Browns Browns fans are worried about their kicker too. You know, the, the events of the week, though, have pushed that down from top three to top 30 things they're worried about. But Browns-Steelers in the playoffs, 18 years after it last happened, almost a year to the day that they hired Kevin Stefanski. He can't be there. Um, Browns fans, we'll see. It's been a super positive season. It's been an interesting and exciting season. I think the Browns are set up for a good future. I think this is the Steelers' last stand, though. Um, 
odd circumstances, obviously, we thank you for listening. We thank you for reading. Talk to you after Sunday night's game in Pittsburgh.